Hello and welcome to the podcast for Real Life Heroines with Susanna Liller. Join us bi-weekly as alongside of you, we work toward answering the call, knowing that stepping into our destiny always involves going into the unknown and exploring new landscapes. This show talks about those new landscapes, what it took to get there, and the real challenges that take place for most of us along the journey. Heroines don't stay in their comfort zone. They follow their inner guidance to grow and evolve. From the School for Real Life Heroines, your host, Susanna Liller. Hello, everyone. Thank you so much for listening in on my podcast for Real Life Heroines. Uh, when I get to interview women about their journey, their heroine's journey, and specifically the call that brought them to the journey, that got them to go into the unknown and then discover more about themselves and what their purpose is and what their message is. And today I am beyond honored to have as my special guest, Anne Baring. Welcome, Anne. Thank you. Thank you so much. <laughs> Lovely Let to be here. Lovely to see you, as we said, in that very special blue. Let me take a moment to read your um, short bio here. Of course, we could say so much more, but let's start with this. So you received your PhD. You have your master's in 1951. Um, and then a PhD in Wisdom Studies, Ubiquity University, 2018. You are a Jungian analyst. You are the author and co-author of several books, seven books, including with Jules Cashford, The Myth of the Goddess, Evolution of an Image, with Andrew Harvey, The Mystic Vision and the Divine Feminine, two books, with Dr. Scylla Elworthy, Soul Power, an Agenda for a Conscious Humanity, and also a book for children, The Birds Who Flew Beyond Time. Your most recent book, The Dream of the Cosmos, and I have it right here, right to hand, um, received Dream of the Cosmos, A Quest for the Soul, it was first published in 2013, but reprinted in 2020. Received, was awarded the Scientific and Medical Network Book Prize for 2013. And also it took you 20 years. Um, the ground of all her work, all Anne's work, is a deep interest in the spiritual, mythological, shamanic, and artistic traditions of different cultures. She has two websites which are devoted to a new vision of reality and the issues facing us at this crucial time of choice, annbearing.com and ann-bearing.com. And I will have those in the show notes for you so everyone will be able to easily find them. So Anne, again, welcome. And I know you have in your email back to me, you said, I do have a message that I want to relay. And I have questions, but I think we should just start with, tell us your message. What do you want women in particular to know? I want women to be aware of their value over 
thousands and thousands and thousands of years, their experience as a wife and a mother bringing up children over all that huge amount of time. Today, they're not aware of the importance of that role and they're not aware of the values that come from that role, which are deep, deep, deep in their soul and their psyche and their bodily experience as well. Uh, this includes women who have never had children. It, it is in the feminine psyche that they have these values. And I would like those values to come forward and be articulated in our culture because they are not. Women articulate in a, a rather under the, under the, what's the word, under the radar level. Yeah. They're not fully conscious of what they need to do and what they're capable of doing. And their voice is needed now very, very urgently that they wake up to who they are and speak out about the issues that worry them and concern them, particularly the issues which concern the children that they're bringing up in a perfectly ghastly culture. So there's a great deal to uh, to talk about there, but that is my main message to women. Right. So if, if women were to, and so this resonates so much with my message to have women wake up to their heroinism, that to be a hero doesn't mean you have to accomplish some big heroic task that it can be to be a mother in today's time. But so tell me when you talk about the values that they bring that they're not aware of, what would you say they are? They are primarily love, secondly, compassion, thirdly, justice, justice for themselves, as well as for their whole society and the particularly the children who are now born and growing up. There is no justice in our society. We live in a very, very dangerous time. We're in the, at the risk of being taken over by controlling elements which do not have our interests at heart. There are all kinds of things that women need to be aware of, and they waste their time with Facebook and, and uh, TikTok or whatever they're called. Um, they should get out of that and come together to really discuss what they want for their future and for the future of humanity. So if I push back, because... I'm listening and I'm hearing other voices. They'd say, well, we have. I mean, what about the women's movement? And what about other times when women have come together? They are doing that, right? They are doing it, but they're not sufficiently aware of the importance of what they're doing. And when you look at the women in Iran, for instance, or the women in Afghanistan, what they're up against we have nothing like that to face, but nevertheless, we're there as part of the same struggle to be recognized by men and to be valued by men as an equal, not the same as, but as a complementary aspect of the double masculine feminine life on this planet, if you like. I mean, we are half of humanity, but you'd never know it. Our voice is not heard ever in the situation of war and in the um, resolution of war, the, 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 the treaties that are made, not a woman in sight. <laughs> There's plenty and, of areas where we can get into still. I know, I and I, I know that you have done extensive research, your The Myth of the Goddess book, but as well as The Dream of the Cosmos talks about how we got into this place where, I don't know if I'm going to have the years, but 2,000 years ago, perhaps, 4,000 years. 4,000. <laughs> Women had, they were recognized. They did have a voice. Would you agree? 
Yes, they did. In Suma, they had a voice. In Egypt, they had a voice. Right. Um, but it disappeared after around 2000 BC. So 4,000 years, women have been silenced. And that silence, that repression, and that um, neglect, really, by men has meant that they've kind of out of practice, if you like. Right. They, they were no longer allowed to be priestesses in, in temples to the goddess. There were no more temples to the goddess. That was a huge... Um, cut out, cut off, really, of their experience as serving the goddess, which meant serving nature and serving the cosmos and um, really all the rituals that went with it. So all that went out in a, with a bang, as it were, when the uh, father god came in and the priesthoods of the father god. But long, long before that, there were the priestesses and the, the uh, uh, priestesses of the goddess for millennia before that and also that when the gods and goddesses were worshipped together there were always women in the in the temples of the goddess and men in the temples of the of, of the men as as well as women but all that went anyway and we've been left with the kind of dregs of what we should have as it were we were simply unaware of what has been lost and we're not aware of all the influences that programmed us to look upon ourselves as a secondary gender Right. Second gender, if you like, um, inferior to men and not really on a par with con contributing to the culture. I mean, we should be up at the top of education, up at the top of government, not necessarily as vice president, but in there with the planning of what's going to be given out for the for the society that we live in. Right. Uh, women are there. They're getting I mean, compared to my mother's life. We have made extraordinary progress in 100 years, extraordinary, even in 50 years, even in 20 years. There is progress going on all the time, but it's more or less unconscious. It's been focused on the Me Too movement. That's right. one aspect of it, re resisting the predatory aspects, um, impulses of men. But we haven't addressed pornography, which should be absolutely banned for children. Um, things like that. There's no woman's voice there. We have women performing in pornography, in the most ghastly situations, but nowhere it, um, it's beginning to be raised, but it's too weak. This yeah. is an urgent, urgent problem that women need to address what's happening to their children. So okay, so you, that's... I wonder if, if you can also, and again, I know it's so much to talk about in a relatively short time, but this imbalance that, you know, you're, we recognize is also what's affecting our ecology, our world. And how do you explain that connection? Well, I explain it. It begins with the myth of the fall. It begins in 621 BC or BCE, when a group of priests called Deuteronomists took over the first temple in Jerusalem and did away with the goddess who was married to the god. And together they had brought the world into being. You never know it from what you read in the Bible now. No. But that was when it happened. And what happened with that, when they ditched the goddess, they ditched everything to do with the relationship with nature. And that gradually, Christianity took on that myth of the fall, lock, stock and barrel. And it formed the basis of the persecution of women in Christian culture, because they were blamed for being associated with Eve, who was blamed for taking the apple from the tree of, of uh, knowledge. So it, it goes back. You wouldn't believe the power of that myth, but I've studied it, and I've studied what the priesthoods did with it. 
and they used it as a stick to beat women with for 2,000 years virtually, both in the Hebrew culture as well as in the Christian culture and the Islamic culture as well, because they knew about it as well. So when you ditch the goddess, you ditch her being nature itself and also her being part of the cosmos, the feminine aspect of deity. You ditched one half of deity and we are part of that half, so to speak. When God created man and woman in his own image, that meant that he had a feminine aspect to his nature. That never comes through. Nobody goes back to Genesis and looks at that. For a while, it was there, even in the Bible. And you speak of that. That was, um, and I don't think I'm going to pronounce it right, but it's the Shekinah. The, yes, uh, but that, that's in Kabbalah, but it's not really, not in the Bible. Okay. The wisdom is in the Bible, and the name of the goddess that they ditched was divine wisdom or the Holy Spirit. Now, you couldn't get more numinous terms than those two, Holy Spirit and divine wisdom. Divine wisdom does appear in the Old Testament in certain places and in, in the Apocrypha, but it doesn't appear at all in the New Testament. You wouldn't know it existed until a book was published in 2010 called the Gospel of the Beloved Companion, yes. which was the uh, Gospel of Mary Magdalene. And there at last we hear about the Holy Spirit as feminine. Jesus actually addresses the Holy Spirit as my mother, but you never know it from the, the uh, te Old Testament, the New Testament books that we've got. So there's a huge chunk of history that's gone, right. vanished, and women need to know about that. Yeah. And it's it's coming back. I mean, if they got these books and, and read them, by the way, I should say that you haven't got the latest version of the Dream of the Cosmos. It's got no. a dark a dark color yes. like that. I know. I realize that I didn't have the doesn't, doesn't doesn't matter. This the new one has some new things in it, and it has a, some revisions. But basically, it's the same. So I wouldn't worry too much about it. But if anyone's buying it now, buy the darker cover, the bl yes. almost black cover. Right. So now where are we? You wanted to know what brought me to my work. Would you like me to talk about right. that? Because I would. I know that you had spent a period of time where you actually were, were a designer, a dress designer. Yeah. And you traveled <laughs> extensively. So, yes, yeah, say, you know, the heroine's journey, we're going along in life and all of a sudden, not all of a sudden, but we get a call to make a change. And what was that for you? Well, it started with channeled messages from my mother, and they told me at one point that I had a, um, a mission, and that mission was to be with women. They called it with your sisters, your sister souls. So then, when that was when I was sort of 15. Then I went to university, got into life, had a marvelous job when I was 25, traveled all over the Far East, discovered Eastern religions and Eastern cultures, which were absolutely extraordinary came back to uh, the UK, didn't know what to do with myself because I didn't want to take any of the jobs that were on offer then, although I did take one or two to keep things going. And then um, what happened after that? Then I became, I went into analysis, Jungian analysis, because I had deep depression. Um, I was very, having had this huge expansion when I traveled to the Far East over a whole year and written a book when I came back, called the um, um, the one work, A Journey Towards the Self. That was my first book uh, written when I was 28 or 29. 
so there seemed to be a sort of empty space. Then with the analysis, I got going with creation, with the sort of desire to create something beautiful. And I started a shop which was um, focused on designing beautiful evening dresses for women, because mm -hmm. women wore evening dresses at that time, long dresses, until courage came in and everything was cut short <laughs> to the knee. <laughs> The mini, and then the mini dress came. And the right? mini dress came in. So that was that was one aspect. And so I went through that analysis, and it gave birth to that creativity of the shop. And then I went and I was invited to become um, a Jungian analyst, and I started a second long analysis with um, Keller Adler, who was the wife of Gerhard Adler, who was one of the editors of Jung's uh, collected works. So I stayed with her 11 years, and the whole focus of that analysis was on the feminine, understanding what the feminine was, how it needed to manifest, etc. Then in the midst of that, I had this extraordinary dream of a cosmic woman, um, which I describe in my book. Right. And I didn't know how to place her. She wasn't like any of the ancient goddesses. She was like nothing that I'd ever experienced. She was just naked. She filled the whole... Um, space between earth and the highest reaches of heaven so to speak so she was colossal in size she was naked as I say with with long hair and she had a huge wheel in her abdomen like the labyrinth of Chartres that sort of wheel and I was lying on the ground looking up at her and I saw that I had a wheel also in my abdomen but mine was on the left and she indicated to me that I was to center my wheel and centering my wheel in Jungian terms means becoming more conscious of what I was doing and what I was and of the dream. And the dream led me to the Shekinah of Kabbalah, which is the most marvelous um, cosmology, which has the male and the female in the Godhead, the only one to do that in the West that, that has that. And it really fascinated me. It opened my mind to this whole other way of looking at everything. And it led me to the understanding that the earth is sacred. It's not just any old planet that we can use for our own um, needs and exploit to the extent that we have and are exploiting it. Now we're taking extracting minerals in order to make electric cars. All that sort of thing is completely wrong because it's on the wrong foundation. We've grown up on this long foundation of the discarding of the feminine the, real, the um, exploitation of the feminine as the earth and not understanding that we're part of the earth and that we're part of the divinity of the whole cosmos. So we've, we've lost the, the, the plot <laughs> or we've missed the boat, if you like. We've lost the connection. We're destroying our very own body. Yeah. Um, and then that whole, it's really so much of what the dream of the cosmos is about, the sacredness of this planet yeah, um, and right. everything on it, not just us, for sure. Yeah, everything everything on it, the, the, the ground, the birds, the animals, the plants, everything is part of one whole. And we've lost the sense of the unity that used to exist under the goddess because everything was unified and connected because everything came forth from her womb. So there was no creator beyond creation. Uh, creation was the creator. This is such a subtle point and so important to understand. Once we had the transcendent creator creating the earth as something separate from himself, you had separation and you began to have the um, loss of 
relationship really with the whole divine ground and what we call God and also with nature as well and the earth. So it all began around, that part began around 2000 years ago, but it goes back beyond that right. to the whole practice of war and um, invasion of other people's territory, slavery, enslavement of the conquered people. That was practiced for 2000 years before we had the male religions. So it, it's all involved. You, you have to understand the history in order right. to understand what's happening now. Right. And so I want to ask you, what what can we do? What can be done? But before I ask that, just um, how would you define the sacred feminine? For people who haven't even thought about that concept or don't know this history, people and there certainly is more and more talk about the sacred feminine and and as i began to study it i recognized that people sort of came at it through different ways some through the goddess and some yeah through the ecology but yes, how would you define it well i would define it i do define it actually in the dream of the cosmos as a totally different perspective on life it's like looking through virtual reality lenses and seeing something totally different mm -hmm. you you see it in a different way you see it as something precious and sacred not as something to be exploited and used even in the preparation of food you have a kind of reverence for what you're doing it's a different way of feeling your way into relationship with life, a different relationship with life and with the earth and also with the cosmos. Also, it's being aware of, I'm just working on a book of the my mother's messages, which I'm shortly going to publish. And it's a different way of understanding the relationship with the transcendent dimensions, which are there all around us. We can't see them, but they're there. And of course, we've been cut off from them by materialist science, which says that God doesn't exist and the soul doesn't exist, and that only our view of reality exists, our materialist view, that has cut us off from the uh, shamanic experience that we used to have of being able to enter these deeper dimensions of reality. Wow. So that's a huge loss, the loss of the shamanic um, mm. skills, which are coming back. That's one of the ways the feminine is coming back through people learning um, shamanic methods and also psycho psychedelic drugs being used um, in the treatment of cancer patients who are dying and things like that um, go ahead yeah what so then to follow on um, when you talk about the sacred marriage help people understand how you would define what's that about well originally in Sumer and Egypt it was about the marriage of the goddess and the god and the goddess represented heaven at that time and the god earth. And the, the king represented the, the earthly aspect and the high priestess represent the goddess and uh, transcendent aspect. And the marriage took place once a year in a particular temple and in the sexual union of the high priestess with the, god, with the king. And that was a ritual celebration. They weren't in love, but it was a ritual celebration of a fertility rite that would give fertility to the earth. But in our own time, it's about the men and women coming together in a joint caring enterprise, working on behalf of the earth, 
not necessarily being terrified of climate change, because that is not the only thing that's threatening us. There are other threats much more serious, actually, and more immediate than climate change. But anyway, it means uh, coming together, leaving the old rivalry, leaving the old contempt that men had for women, men developing the feminine side of their nature, and women developing the masculine side of their nature, because they need the, the um, ability to articulate things as I am now in a way which people where people will listen yeah. and pay attention. So they need to strengthen their ego probably um, with the skills that they are available, learning public speaking or just speaking really and getting practice through that. But they also need to develop their mind if possible going to university and study something which develops their capacity for um, logical thought, that sort of thing. University education can be very valuable and it may lead to something that really interests them. It can do, I mean, that could be a beginning which leads them on to whatever their creative gifts are because the feminine also involves becoming aware of what your soul or your heart would like you to do right. and is waiting for you to recognize right. that you're capable of doing it and nourishing that wish, that desire to create, that desire to create something wonderful or beautiful, whatever it may be, it won't be something destructive, that I can guarantee. If it's feminine, it won't be there to destroy something like with nuclear weapons, for example. Yeah. So um, it, it's terribly important that this unity of men and women and the unity within the, the individual psyche of men and women, that the masculine and feminine are balanced and in harmony with each other. Because if you're unconscious, which most women are at the moment, with all due respect to them, they may not realize where they're still battered and controlled by what Jung called the negative animus, which is the inner critic, which destroys any attempt to break out of the old pattern. <laughs> I'm sure you're familiar with that. I am. We talk about it in the groups that I have all the time because it's oh. always there. Yeah. And okay, Campbell, well, I'll tell um, Campbell called them the threshold guardians, right? Or the dragon. Yeah, um, that's right. Yeah. You have to deal with that. And mine was, I'll just tell you a very short dream. I was sitting in bed holding a golden pen in my hand before I started writing anything. Um, and behind my back, climbing up a wall, was a man with a knife. And he was about to plunge it into my spine. And I woke up in time, took it to my analyst who said, well, there you have it. There's the negative animus. This is what you have to deal with. Yeah. And this is what you have to transform into your ally. You, you don't leave him to go on criticizing you. You say to him, you stop all that and you become my help and my supporter instead yeah. of my critic and my destroyer. And right. men have this as well, because men have to always keep up with the group, which is terrible. They have to, you know, if they're down at the bottom of the, of the um, tribe, so to speak, they're nothing unless they're successful and unless they're rich, unless they're powerful. It's the hierarchy. Yes. Yeah. So they have to fight against that negative anima because it's a, maybe a feminine voice which says, well, if you don't achieve this, you're nothing. If you don't get that job, you've had it. That sort of driving impulse. And that, that's behind all the nuclear weapons and also behind this AI technology. It's the male psyche pushing for more and more power because mm. unless it has ever more power, it feels inadequate. But it's being driven by forces beyond our world, 
negative forces which are actually working towards the destruction of the planet which we don't may not realize but there are those negative forces so men are trapped in that compulsion to um, achieve ever more technological miracles so to speak and women are trapped in not being able to realize what's happening so that their voice can be heard and saying that we do not want 5g for our children to grow up with we do not want endless rat vaccinations for our children. I think 72 vaccinations for American children, mm. which, which is outrageous and quite unnecessary. So Anne, going back to what, what can a woman listening to you now, me included, what, where would we start? Where, how would we go about? And I guess maybe the big thing is I hear you. We're not conscious. And I, I understand that. I mean, women don't realize how capable they are and what they can do and the gifts they've been given. So how can we wake them up? What will work? Well, I think what will wake them up is possibly the things that are happening. For instance, COVID may have, um, and all the vaccinations may have begun to wake them up. But it's very difficult in the context of an individual life to, to know what to do. Yes. How do I move to the next thing? It may be, am I unhappy in my job? That may be one way. If I am unhappy in my job, what sort of job would I like? What would give me happiness and a sense of uh, calm and um, create creative engagement with life? And ask life, what can I do? Put that a question to life within yourself. And ask your own soul, what would you like me to do so that you get in touch with your heart, not your think, mind, not up here. Right. you got to circumvent your mind, I always say, yeah, because it's going to be telling you what the culture wants you to do. So I'm thinking it sounds a lot like what our friend um, Professor Campbell said, follow your bliss. What follow makes bliss you happy mm. and then you find yourself on a road with people with similar bliss and they open doors for you that which is exactly how I got to you Anne seriously because Blanca whose summit that we were both at it almost a year ago she's a colleague from the Hudson Institute and we have the same interest in the spiritual and then the heroine's journey and um so following my bliss, I got to you through her panel. So it's what brings you joy, what makes your heart sing, what makes you not be able to do anything else but follow what you're so passionately interested in. Yeah, even, no, though, takes... you're, even though you're 71 years old like me. Yeah, well, it takes time to adjust to this different way of thinking because it's to develop the intuition, which is neglected, and to learn when the intuition is trying to tell you something which you may not notice or hear right. um, and to begin with, and then gradually it gets a bit stronger and you, ideas come into your head unexpectedly. You in the, in the old life, you might have said, oh, well, that's a silly idea, I won't follow that one but now perhaps you pay attention and you write down what makes you unhappy. That helps a lot. And I always, in, in our training as Jungian analysts, we were told to write a fairy story. And quite often writing a fairy story brings out 
the elements of what everything that we've been talking about, but in symbolic images, perhaps as an animal or um, a bird or something that may speak to you, you, ha you have to open your mind to the, you have to open the right hemisphere of the brain to the imagination, mm -hmm. because we've been so programmed to live in the left hemisphere, which is the linear um, way of thinking, you know, reaching a goal, A, B, C, D sort of thing that we've neglected, particularly in the education of children, we've neglected the um, right hemisphere. So oh, writing a fairy tale is one way of opening to the right hemisphere. It's a very good way. It doesn't take long. It can be a do short you, story. Do you want to say something about how you use the fairy tale of Sleeping Beauty to teach what you've been teaching? Yes, I use it all the time because it not only in my own life, but um, the culture as a whole, the feminine principle is sound asleep. And it needs the heroic prince to fight through that hedge of thorns. And the hedge of thorns, I realized as I worked with it, is all the things we've been taught, the beliefs in, in particular kind of God, the myth of the fall, uh, men are superior, women are somewhere down there sort of thing. All of that has to be fought through by this prince, which is in us. It doesn't come from an outside prince. It, it's, we have to find the element in us, which is the hero, strong enough to fight through this hedge of thorns and say this, what we've been taught is not true now. We need to formulate a new image of God, first of all. Secondly, a new image of the relationship between men and women. And thirdly, what sort of culture do we want to live in? Do we want 5G? Do we want endless control by government? Do we want, um, as I wrote down here, do we want to live in a society where everything is tracked and traced? This was actually on the women, on uh, children's health defense website today, wow. which is a very good website. People have said, oh, that's conspiracy. Forget everything that's been called conspiracy. Go to what's been called conspiracy and learn the other side of things because we've been prevented from learning what's been going on by this word conspiracy. Mm. We need to, to drop it. And you're saying open your minds and, and what you've been taught, look at it and see if it rings true and see if it rings true to your inner wisdom, your intuition. Yes, that's right. And you have to develop the intuition. The intuition isn't sitting there in a nice package <laughs> waiting to be opened. It, it has to be developed with work. Right. And it. I know I talk to people about it and it comes to people differently. Some people get a bolt of intuition about doing something and others, it's a very quiet little nagging kind of think about this, do this. Yeah. So you have to learn how your own intuition comes, That's right? right? And yeah. also you have to learn what is it that you love doing or yeah, what is, a, what is the particular activity that gives you a feeling of delight and pleasure and happiness? Mm -hmm. It may be cooking. It may be looking after animals. It may be looking after children. Maybe anything at all. But what actually gives you that buzz that this feels nice, this right. feels good? Right. I'm wondering, and I, I'm paying attention to the time with all my questions. So do you have a particular... Um, I know you studied in the Far East, um, Buddhist practices. Do you have a particular spiritual practice that you adhere to now? 
No, I don't. But my mother's messages said, surround yourself with light when you're writing or speaking. And that is a very good um, image to, to have. I don't meditate because my writing is my meditation. When I'm deep in my writing, which I'm always seem to be in, there's always, I've got a new book to finish on the feminine aspect of the Holy Spirit. Mm. And I've got this book on my mother's messages at the moment. So that's quite a lot at my age. Um, but I don't have any specific um, meditation practice, although I do speak to the, what I call the higher beings quite often in the middle of the night and say, well, what do you want me to do now? What should I be focusing on? And then I may go to sleep again. And I, I don't have particular dreams now, mm. which I used to have, like that very powerful one. My dreams seem to have receded, possibly because of my age, or possibly because my brain cells are not <laughs> receiving them anymore. Um, but I don't worry about it. It's not something as a Jungian that worries me. It's just something that is. Right. And certainly writing is can be definitely be meditation. It can, yes. Page. Yeah. Um, so what have you not, not said that you wished that I had asked you about? What am I leaving out? I don't think you're leaving out anything. I think we've covered everything how do you define the sacred feminine how do you see this movement evolving in the coming years i see it growing as women do become more conscious there are a great many organizations involving women speaking to other women helping them like yourself you know helping them to become more active and more conscious of their own needs mm. and not paying any attention to what the culture is telling them what they need to be doing but right. working it out themselves, because they, the the thing won't be coming from the culture, although there are certain websites like um, Humanities Team, for instance, or the Shift Network, or Choosing Earth, that's another one. There are quite a few um, organizations working for the planet and that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. I don't think it helps to get involved in marches and things like that because that time is really, that is not going to accomplish what needs to be accomplished. Yeah. And it, it's a waste of energy, basically. And it gets it under everybody's nose as well. <laughs> I, 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 you know, I agree with you because I feel like if you're wanting to marry the masculine and the feminine, and again, masculine and feminine is in all of us and in men and in women, it's not a gendered thing, but if you want to balance it, then it's not about attacking one or the other and pointing the finger and protesting against how, you know, this is bad or that is bad. It's about finding ways to raise everybody up and raise that. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And, and then you went, you said it right at the beginning, and that's done with love. And love is not attacking. Love is acceptance and um, caring for each other. Um, it's, this is not an easy thing. <laughs> no, but yeah, it's relationship, love is relationship of every kind. And also what is what is coming through in quantum physics now, most important, we haven't covered that. And I'd like to say something about that, because what it's teaching us is that everything is connected. Yes. At the deepest level, the subatomic, even the sub-subatomic level, we're all connected with everything around us and every galaxy in the universe. 
So this is in, an incredible unity which is there, which we are part of. And God is not something separate from us. God is the whole thing that we are part of. So we've been worshipping what we're part of. <laughs> you know, it, this is a big step in it understanding. Is. Right. But I think if people can get it, and the, one of the main teachers in this new thing is someone called Greg Braden, P-R-A-D-O-N, yes. you probably know about him, yeah. and Nassim Haramain, he is a physicist who's going ahead with this, and also a physicist and cosmologist called Jude Caravan, who has a website called uh, One Worldview, or one, just Worldview, or World something or other. Uh, so there are these extraordinary individuals who've been born at this time to awaken humanity, not only women, but the whole of humanity, to a new way of thinking about ourselves. Yeah. Forget the old religions. The, their time is over. We have to create a new spirituality based on the understanding that we're all one yeah. and, and that love is the primary element which has actually brought the, be the universe into being. Uh, so God is love, as we've been told. <laughs> right, right. This I'm and, thinking and we are too. And the, right. the more we right. can give love and create love, the more we're in touch with that divine ground. I'm thinking that's the perfect place to end. But I just want to say, so a woman or a man listening to this, the main thing you want them to take from our conversation is what? Ask yourself why you're here on the planet. And when you find the answer, get going on it. Anne Baring, what a delight that I somehow captured you for this period of time and got to speak with you. And I'm just thrilled that you agreed to do it. Thank you so much. Well, it was a great pleasure to be given the opportunity of speaking out about all these things because I long to communicate them. Yes, well, <laughs> I just might well, be tapping on your shoulder again. Yeah. Okay, okay. well, I want to thank the people who are listening and I encourage you all to share Anne's message. Um, and this will be coming out with the show notes that have websites and i'm going to get back with you Anne, and get some of those names that you were mentioning to make no. sure i have them but um please stay tuned for the next in the podcast series and um i hope you all find your happiness find your bliss and follow it thanks again Anne. you've been listening to the podcast for real life heroines with Susanna liller thank you for joining us if you would like to connect with Susanna outside of the show, please do. You can email Susanna at SusannaLillard.com and visit the website at SusannaLillard.com. Let's get social. Instagram at Susanna Liller, Facebook, Susanna Liller, author, speaker, and coach. Don't forget to subscribe to the show for easy access to our next episode. And a like and review would be very helpful. Until next time, remember to follow your inner guidance to grow and evolve. Thank you.